Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Tim here in the rugby dungeon uh, whilst JB and Phil get on a plane from Philadelphia back to Blighty. I'm just sat here looking at a couple of empty Barker lounges. Uh, I'm, I'm not bothered, not bothered at all. Looked like a, a raucous weekend they had. Uh, but whatevs, really, really not bothered. And not bothered that they replaced me for a, a little Philadelphia-based podcast with uh, David Flatman. No, no, not bothered about that at all. Uh, so yes, what you're about to hear is a podcast uh, recorded whilst JB, Phil uh, and Phil waited to go to the airport uh, and they grabbed flats for a little bit of a natter. So we can hear about the Philadelphia adventure and and, and I don't know if they'll have caught any other rugby. So just a, a general chit chat. Uh, we will be doing another podcast when we're all reunited coming your way in this feed very, very soon. Uh, and oh man, so many amazing talking points. I mean, what a weekend that was. Marcus Smith, old head on young shoulders. Uh, Wasps unbeaten record shattered. Uh, also, Edinburgh with a surprise loss at Zebra. And oh, South Africa's pants being pulled down. What is going on there? And here's a little fact for you from the Avicii Premiership. That is the first time ever that every single team has lost at least one game in the opening three rounds. Have that. There's Billy Vanapola talking about a potential strike. There's Marler and Haskell's handbags and all sorts of other guff that we'll be getting into. But right now, let's enjoy Flats joining Phil and JB from Philadelphia before their journey home. Without me. And welcome to this, the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Very special edition. We have one of the brightest minds in rugby, Phil Logan. How are you, Phil? <laughs> yeah, waiting for that. <laughs> and Hello, David Jonathan. Hartman, of course. How are you, Hi. mate? Yeah, very good. How are you? I feel I feel like we're making history, like two like two podcasts colliding. I know. Yeah, Clash of the Titans. Is it Clash? It's not. It's coming together. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get involved in the conversation, follow us on Twitter at Rugby Podcast or Timman's Instagram account. So look at that as well. Uh, <laughs> How has the weekend been? It's been a good weekend out here in Philly, actually. Um, it's a funny one, wasn't it? Because there's a lot going on during the week that... I don't know if you guys got over, but I got over the night before the games. There's a lot There's a lot going on during the week that we don't see, and you, you see snippets of it online, like the, the players and the coaching staff are actually going out and introducing people to rugby a lot of the time, yeah. which, is, which is, you know... 
it's how things grow. At some point, they're put somewhere where no one knows what they, no one knows what they are. They're, at some point, they're introduced, and by definition, it's new. So we didn't see a lot of that. What we see was the game, and my my main memory from the game is how hot it was and how oh, it was so hot. Corbs and I had to wear suits, and he turned up in a three piece, and I was like, yeah. brother, what are you doing? But problem was, he'd sweated so much that he couldn't take it off. So, you know, it's kind of like. <laughs> I was like, right, guys, we're going live. We're going live in ten, and I was like, right, get my jacket on quick. That man has keep... boundless energy. Yeah, boundless yeah. energy. Just yeah. never stops. No, he loves it. Yeah. And also, as we mentioned, he looks great in a black t-shirt. Looks really good. He, he's he's in good, up. good nick at the moment, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, but so would you be? So I asked him. I said, what are you doing during the week? Because oh, I do a bit of NBC, and um, yeah, and I like they fly me up and down from New York because I've got a play, my family place in Miami. What else do you do? Well, I sometimes do a podcast. Have you heard that? Like, yeah. That's it. Yeah, I just train and eat. So I was like, well, actually, do you know what? I'd be in pretty good nick if I just trained and ate. Yeah, he's actually living the dream. Yeah, he's, he's, he's stolen our lives, boys. Stolen so, our lives. So other than the heat, what were your kind of big takeaways from the game? Um, the interesting one, I, I don't... I mean, I wasn't just... I wasn't party to the promotion of it, really. And it's... Um, it's a, there's a balance, isn't there? Because it's easy to sit at home on your sofa as a know-it-all and say, there's no one there. Yeah. It's a failure. It's like, well, yeah. in a sense, you are throwing rocks. You know, and it's kind of like, well, how do you think you introduce something to a, a marketplace that is saturated, but but ultimately you're potentially very sort of sort of nutrient-rich, if you like? It's kind yeah. of it's potentially yeah. a really fruitful it's sort of uh, environment they're introducing it to, but it's saturated with other sports. So it's going to take a long time. And do you know what? It may never happen, but the rate at which rugby union is growing in the States suggests that it might. And it doesn't have to grow that much. Like it, doesn't, what I mean, it, does have to, it doesn't have to establish a particularly large market share in percentage terms to you know, actually become a reasonably sort of powerful proposition because yeah. there are just so many bloody people here. You know? Yeah. I'm going to um, take the Tim Cocker approach to this. So there's like basically two ways to talk it. The corporate side, I think there was quite a lot of gallows humour about the whole thing uh, at the end at the end of the, at the, end of the, end of the event. But if you actually went to it, it was a massive success. I mean, for the people that actually showed up, it, it, it was absolutely brilliant. You talk to any of the the US rugby so Americans or people who live over here who are rugby fans mm. they are absolutely fanatical about it yeah. They, yeah they love the game they love the opportunity to get to something like this what, yeah. you, what needs to happen is that growth because they are relatively small in number at the moment yeah but if you think I mean I don't know say you want in 20 years time you want X number of people playing rugby union in USA well you know actually it's, it, that's a, that will end up being a reasonably large chunk of you take that just that number. That's a reasonably large chunk of Brits, or it's a reasonably large chunk of French. Not so much French, of course. But in terms of the USA, you are you are talking a, a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of the population yep. to make it actually a massive sport. Yep. Not as massive as American football or basketball, or baseball. That's not the point. No. no one was trying to make it bigger than that. Yeah. No. And there are these really good pockets. We went and uh, played a game at Bayonne Bombers, and Bayonne Bombers are, uh, are a really well-established club now. But the, the, the team we were playing against, Morris. Most of their team actually come up through their youth system. Yeah, so they were crazy. And they were probably yeah. the players. Yeah. They, they were telling us that about 15, 20 years ago, they put in place a proper training programme for kids around that right. area. And some of their players had some really handy players who are yeah. now early 20s are a product of that system. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that needs to happen a, a yeah. little bit more as well. What do we actually think of the game? <laughs> Well, do you know what? I actually thought, I mentioned the heat earlier in jest, but I think sweat dominated this game. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen, not what the numbers are, but I'm just this anecdotally, purely anecdotally, I don't think I've seen as many 
basic handling errors in an elite game of rugby in a long time. Really? And I don't think that is necessarily all about skill. I think it's such a... I mean, I went on the pitch afterwards to do the TV stuff, and the state of the players... I mean, you've got... It's, you, can imagine, you can imagine the props looking pretty sweaty, but you've got guys like Will Welch I was talking to, who's... OK, he's a massive bloke, but he's an athlete. He's a specimen. Yeah. And he was just... It was, he looked wetter than if he just got out of the river. Yeah. He looked wetter than that, and he said he was exhausted. And that's, this is a properly fit engine of a player. Yeah, yeah. So he's probably going to be almost the least exhausted on the yeah. field of all the yeah. forwards. And he was exhausted, and the boys looked absolutely broken at the end of that game. And I think the ball was so sweaty, and because it was so humid... The ground was actually super greasy, so I yeah. walked on in a. You can imagine a pair of gorgeous uh, shoes, and, shoes. I, and, and I was slipping. I was slipping, and yeah. it was that's you know it's, it hasn't rained one drop, and it was slippery. So, for me, it was a. I mean, can we say this? It was. I, and you might disagree. In fact, I think you do from the memories of what you were saying in the pub the other night. I thought it was a pretty, pretty average game, to be honest. I thought I, I agree with you. Yeah, but I, think so, I, I think it was. Yeah, there were a few handling errors. I would just say this: Saracens <laughs> weren't given given anything. I think a lot of handling errors, errors came because can't see Falcons. I think Falcons have come on leaps and bounds. Uh, and it's, at times, they're not absolutely brilliant. It wasn't until the very end that Southampton started really racking up the points. Yeah, so, I, I would I would agree with that entirely on the defensive side. I thought they were really Wellesley does their John Wells does their defence, doesn't he? He's I thought defensively well. they were brilliant. Um, yeah, they were. Uh, but I but I but I think there were some errors that were brought on by man and ball with a sweaty ball. Yeah, as it were, man and sweaty sweaty man and sweaty ball. Um, <laughs> There's a movie title there. <laughs> 18's and over. But I think it was um, a lot of it. There were actually some real skill errors. So you see, I mean, Farrell just pulling a ball back behind the front line, and it's the ball going down. And it, there, there was a lot. There were a lot of crappy skill errors that looked crappy. Sorry, but actually, I think had I been out there, I would have been terrified of getting thrown that ball. So yeah. I thought. I thought just just my view. I thought it was a pretty crap game, and I thought that Newcastle's defence was repeatedly outstanding, especially in the conditions yeah. and the talent they get playing against them. But what gate? What really butchered it for them was they would defend really, really well for phase after phase after phase, and then somebody would lose concentration and do something silly. So it's not they weren't actually pulled apart that readily for the first sixty minutes. Yep. They were just it was a little bit of concentration. But I'd watch their defence, and I would think if they defend like that, just every other week will do. They will be absolutely fine. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, they're defend- I, I think they'll be better than fired. I think they'll. I think you're right. Yeah. I think they'll be. Uh, I think they'll, they'll be quite. Four, no, they're not top four. They'll be quietly, quietly aspiring for top six, but I think they might be a little bit off that. I, I think I'm uh, dead with you. If you actually completely agree, but I would, um, as a neutral, I would love to see them top six. Yeah, and it's got to cost somebody a spot. Yeah, I don't really care who that is. Um, <laughs> I, I would love to see them in there. That is, that is a great question because this is the weekend that everything returns to normal. Uh, Leicester won. Springboks got pumped by New Zealand. <laughs> Uh, yeah. so, so I was like, oh no, actually, it didn't. Oh no, it came. Oh, Quinn's beat Wasp at Rico. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that that's, that's interesting. Quinn style win I've, I've ever heard of. Lose to London Irish, beat Wasps. Up, up, yeah, that is Quinn's. It's like them beating Saris at home last season. Yeah. This is the beginning. Well, hopefully it is. I mean. But then next week they'll go and put in. A bog standard average. I mean, geez, they're good enough. They're good yep. enough. But, I mean, think that's that's the thing. This is um, this is a really lazy, tired statement. But all the teams are good enough, actually. Yes. So a lot, so much of it, I think, comes down to coaching. I think it's really important, and it all co- also comes down to the. I think the the way different clubs, consciously or unconsciously, approach the psychology of it all. Because I remember Justin Harrison saying to me, "Mate, there's no secrets out there. They're all big. They're all fit. Some of them are bigger than you and stronger than you." 
So it's not about that. We all, all we're doing is preparing our bodies. Our bodies are on equal terms. Yeah. It's about you know tapping his temple. He said it's what you do up here. Yeah. Definitely. You know, and he said, I know, he said, I can tell you now, I'm prepared to die out there in the next 80 minutes. I'd rather not, but I will. And that's why we'll win, you know, and we drew three all with Toulouse. <laughs> we, went, we went through, though. I wonder if it was my cowardness, uh, cowardice that stopped me making the highest level. <laughs> Mental. Top, top two inches. Yeah, my, my mental. <laughs> do you know it's, it's interesting? You, you need um, you need genetics. Of course you do. You can't. You know the average shopkeeper couldn't play tight end in the prem. But you know you do. You do see some guys walking around who are freaky specimens. But then you see some who really aren't. Yeah. And you see some in major positions who really aren't. You know, they, I look at like someone like Will Welch, and you think, well, you're looking from up in the commentary position on the sideline. Is that? A particular, no, he's a, you'd say he's probably a normal-sized prem back row. You go, you walk up to him and you're like, get out, he is a unit. Boy. I mean, he's a proper unit. Yeah. If he's on the door at a nightclub, you'd think, serious bit of kit. And he's not one of the top eight biggest blokes on the field. No, They're much bigger. No. So, But there are guys who just aren't freaks. Jackson Ray's not a freak. No. He's a big bloke, of course he is. Yeah. But he's not a freak. No. He's just, he's absolutely... He's absolutely realising his potential. He's got the genetics, he's got sufficient genetics, but he's absolutely maximising it because his approach and his attitude absolutely propels him forward, you know. Well, so. some, someone like Brad Barrett as well. Yeah. In, ter- in terms of his physical abilities yeah. and his skills, they're not truly exceptional. But in terms of his leadership, m- mental, well, just the physical, the, he's a brick. the mental bit. The brick with eyes, mate. He's yeah. just, he's just, he is just unbelievably hard. Yeah. That's it. He's just tough as you like, and he will do... He will run into absolutely anything, and he's got no fear. So yeah. that's why that's why he's a high-earning yeah. top pro. And, yeah. and captain of one of the well, is he still club captain? Um, last year. One of them is. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but like, yeah, <laughs> probably got about nine co-captains. That's what you do these days, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's defensive captain. Uh, I never understand all that stuff. Leadership group. Have you yeah. been on a leadership group? Oh yeah. The, well, about about three hundred of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're wasting time. It's it's you, you know. I just feel like you, if you come in as a coach, give yourself a bit of time, you will find out who the leaders are. And I, I always think it's one idea is to appoint someone who's really good at speaking to the group. Yeah. That's a good idea. Okay. They've also ideally got to be first choice, you know, regular first choice. Yeah. But also you have to take into account there will always be a couple of players who are uncaptainable. You know, and that's not also always because they're horrible or they're, they're gobshite. Sometimes it's like, how do you captain Martin Johnson? Yeah, uh, uh, you know. See, I was thinking how do you captain Danny Cipriani? No, that's, that, Danny. That, Danny's easy. Danny's easy to captain. I've been on tours. I was, wasn't his captain, but I've been on tours and that. And he's, mm. you know, he's Danny. We just don't know how he's going to. Danny's. Gonna do next. Danny's. Um, what's the word? Um, delinquency is overplayed. I think. I mean, I. You know, I'm not in a club environment with him, but if he if he was that bad, Die Young would have chinned him by now. So you know, <laughs> yeah. I think. I think. I think you'll find I think you'll find Sipped is alright but in, you know just in terms of the way he plays you know, if you've got a real yeah. maverick or someone who's just going to do I mean, how would you how would you go about uh, game planning with Carlos Spencer or Quade Cooper yeah you're knackered I mean, we, had, we had Butch James and Butch James wasn't quite like Carlos but Carlos Spencer but he was Butch did what he wanted yes yeah. but he was he, he, what he gave was he earned that credit because he would I mean, he was a, as you know, he was a fucking, am I allowed to swear on this yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah, he was a fucking maniac, right? A maniac. And did you ever see him tackle with arms? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, he did sometimes. But he, he was, but he would flat out whack anybody at any point. And, you know, 
there, what, what you earn there by putting yourself in that hard, especially when you're a, a big money, big name and you're valuable, when you go that hard for the team, do you know what? If you throw a reverse miss and it goes tits up every now and again, you've got you're in credit. credit. But it's yeah. when you've been dodging tackles and skipping work and blaming other people, then you start cocking up, then you will find... So I look at... I mean, it's all, this is all guesswork, but I look at Wasp play... And I see Danny Cipriani have the odd, you know, when you try as much as he does, you're going to have the odd shocker, they have yeah. the odd howler, the odd horror moment. And I never see players turning on him. Mm. And I think that must indicate that he works hard enough away from the bright lights that he's in credit. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Otherwise, it, I mean, I've played with guys, I won't name them because it's unfair and I haven't asked their permission. I've played with guys who overplay their hand and they also overplay their hand on a Wednesday and they turn up to... You know, weights and their flip flops with a cappuccino, and mm. it, that pissed me off. It's like you, you haven't got credit for that, mate. Yeah. You know, so you're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love to go to the gym in flip flops uh, uh, with a cappuccino. I that, used that, I used to. That'd be the but I was, tw- but I was 20 minutes it. early, so I was allowed to do that. It's when they arrive on time in their flip flops. That's what used to. Then you'd always be buff just after yawn, and you'd be and, and you'd be set upstairs for a coffee. <laughs> well, that was a long time ago. That was that was <laughs> early days. Luckily, we had a group that worked hard, so. But we did have a fitness coach in the old days who'd say, you know, if you looked a bit tired, he'd let you go home. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in, fa- in fairness, we that, w- that was a couple of seasons where we had Michael Foley was our coach and he was brilliant. But he picked his best team every week. And without sounding like a complete bellend, you know, that, that was the same eight every week for yeah. two or three years, really, as long as we were fit. So we played every game, every game, every game. And there were a lot of games. There was only one prop on the bench then. Oh, tight head's more tiring yeah. Yeah. so I would play 80, 80, 80, 80 75, 80, 80, 80 so there were times that I'd walk in on a Monday and he'd, he'd say to me you look fucked and I'd yeah. say no, I'm broken yeah. and he'd say right go home see you this afternoon yeah. and, and you get to training and I put my boots on and he's like I've had a word you're not training you know because otherwise you just break when, so you, when you're you need playing, to like yeah when you're playing that that level and training that level yeah. rest is as important as the as oh, the actual yeah, yeah. training and conditioning yeah 100% would, especially the second half of the season would yeah, you yeah. be interested in seeing rugby tinker on with something like interchanges like rugby league like rolling league. subs yeah I, I love the idea of rolling no, subs no no and I'll tell you why um, because r- rugby has, rugby union has uh, bigger players mm-hmm. and it has more players I'm t- stating the painfully obvious but that means there is just le- physically less room on the field Yeah. so it becomes you know mathematically harder to score I guess um, so I think one of the one of the key this is this is why when, when the scrum gets tinkered with the, the first thing I worry about isn't actually the spectacle because I you know boring scrums board tits off me as well but I worry about fatigue and I think you need the big guys to be as tired as possible yeah and through through yeah. honest work and because that is what creates space yeah. you know because if everyone's fresh I've played in games I played in a game once where we had one scrum in the first half it was against Tigers at Welford Road and I came in at half time and I'd never hit double figures in 40 minutes in my whole career of tackles and I was at 11 tackles none missed I was at 8 carries I mean you guys might have seen me play I was, that wasn't me I was a chugger, but our stats were through the roof, because and we felt amazing. Yeah. And then we had, then it was it was fantastic. It was like you know three nil or something to Leicester, whatever it was. There was no score, fresh as daisies. Beginning of the second half, first ten minutes of the second half, we had three pushover attempts against Leicester, and we nearly got them over. And we went again and again and again. Penalty, yellow card for Garforth. We went again and again and again. And the whole front row was subbed on 55 minutes because we were broken, yeah. absolutely broken, and so were they. Yeah. So we just finished. So you, that fatigue is what causes mistakes and space. 
So I com- completely agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I guess the opposite would be trying to limit the amount of subs coming on because when they when when they empty the bench now, yeah, uh, they can make an absolutely enormous impact. I mean, personally, I would love to see interchanges because I like the idea. I mean, also, it'd make someone like Toulouse incredibly dangerous. Well, we've we've seen interchanges when. Uh, the French doctor just uh, oh, yeah. dishes out <laughs> head, head injury assessments yeah. left, yeah. right, and centre. Change my props around. Change my props yeah. around. Say la tête. Say la tête. Do what you like. My fa- I mean, maybe maybe the most stupid comment ever, but my favourite comment was uh, was it Rob Evans? He was playing looser. Yeah, he stands against. So it doesn't matter who they have. Yeah, against That's right. <laughs> yeah, just any other team. You got to take it easy. I remember. I, I remember when I played for Saris with Julian White. There's a bit of a scuffle at a scrum. It might have been in this game or a different game. Neil Back came in and he, he had a pop at Julian, and he said, "Fuck off, big nose." And he just said, "Big nose" to Whitey, and we we were up against it. Like Roundtree had Julian. Roundtree was doing really well against Julian. Darren Garforth was always really hard for me, so I was I was we were really struggling. Julian was so angry at that one comment. Oh my god! Like it was to the point where they had an amazing scrum but we absolutely buried that scrum really? at Welford Road and it was like the whole crowd went quiet because they, they never got treated like that then and they came right back don't worry about that but it, you know it's sort of like always always keep your mouth shut yeah. do not want to fuel anybody the, the worst thing is like, don't say that Rob making something saying something like that if you can back it up yeah you've got great. to back it up if you yeah, don't back to. it up yeah but it's alright if you're on the you know not if you're at prop because you've got absolutely no escape from the person you just made angry yeah. so I used to think well do a job on him and keep quiet for the early part of my career I gobbed off quite a lot because yeah. um, I used to get really excited and pumped and I learned pretty quick that you're, only, like you're, ha- what, you're one comment away from getting introduced to your own colon like how simple I imagine that he chats an awful lot yeah, I, I, I love that though I'm happy for him to do it yeah he was, oh. there was a couple of bits in the Lions tour where he was like right on the edge of oh. losing control yeah. wasn't there I, I just I him and see Genji's carry again the other day. There's, he's done another massive. Against, he's another massive carry at the weekend. They're just, oh, I, I love these boys. They got, they're animals. They're animals in a gentleman's game. And I say, yeah. don't, don't take that out of them. You know. Yeah, props that can work hard and work hard and carry hard are absolute gold. That's not. Yeah. I, I look. I, I always get confused with, confused with Exeter because they have like three or four of the best in the league. Look at lads like Hepburn. Mm. Then what do they do exactly, with Thomas Francis? How has he got into this group? I mean, he's a good, what, good scrimmager. Got an anchor in there. He's got an anchor, Did so he's big, big lump. And when he get when he gets in a decent position, he's rock steady. And what that means is, you can, you know, you can play either way you want. You basically can play right at will from the scrum, which means you can play in basic terms away from the opposition scrum half and have a numerical advantage every single time. And if he gets a nudge on, then. Extra have got the numbers and they've got a seven with a head start. So it's just n- nothing's changed in terms of the value of a tight head. Most of them do a lot more now, but there are some teams that can absorb a big lump like that that's just there to hold it up. Yeah, mm. I mean that's basically what you must what what, what you must be there for. Just, yeah. just the actual options. Some teams couldn't absorb him because they don't have the carriers mm. and yeah, the tacklers, yeah. but Chiefs can because Chiefs have got what they've developed probably through their training. They haven't developed big lumps because they were born big these lads, but they've developed a lot of guys with really good power endurance. Mm. So look at what Kai Horseman can do. He's 35, 36 yeah. or something, you know. But you look at Dave Ewers, he's a very, very big guy, but he contributes a huge amount when he's fit over the course of a whole game. So does Armand. Armand, the same. Yeah, exactly the same. so Waldron, Simmons now. These are big, powerful Simmons men yeah, with real good engines. So it's obviously about something to do with the way 
they train, so that means they can absorb the odd mutant, basically. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, just going back to, um, wind, to winding, winding people up, did anyone see the Marla Haskell yeah. obfuscation? I haven't yeah. seen it yet, so... Describe. That's great. So, um, Hask is like doing a ruck inspector job, so he hands over the ruck, yeah, and he's yeah. just looking around, he's got his safe. And Marla just wanders up, grabs his red scrum hat, and just pulls him forward on his scrum hat. <laughs> and Haskell doesn't like it, doesn't, so he gets up, and he gets Marla around the collar, front of his collar on his jersey... And Marla like goes back to grab him, and Haskell does a like a really really slick MMA takedown. Whips Marla, whips Marla onto his. Oh, does he? But Marla's on top, so then Haskell just does a flip on the floor and ends up straight on top of Marla. Marla's smiling the whole time, but he's still got hold of Haskell's scrum, head, scrum hat. Gets broken up, and then Haskell's walking away looking angry. And Joe Marla's having a drink of water, and he just sprays it in Haskell's face <laughs> from a, from a meter or two meters. Haskell loses the plot, and you see. <laughs> You see his head go. His head's clean off, rolling down the side, rolling down the sideline, and he's um, and his head's off. So he, he you think he's going to chin Joe, but he does it. He does a, he does like does a double-handed throttle of Marla. Marla's grinning the whole time. I think Danny Care apparently. I haven't seen it, but so on Twitter apparently Danny Care sprayed him with water as well to play Haskell. Awesome. So anyway, Haskell gets a yellow card. He says to the ref, he squirted water in my face, and he pulled my scrum cap. It's not allowed. Because he throttled Joe, he gets a yellow. Joe gets off with it, and then at the end of the game, you see him both laughing and having a big cuddle at the end. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I tell you what, he has made a run for his own back there. Every team in the Premier is going to be squirting. <laughs> yeah, the fans are going to be squirting. <laughs> I tell you now, Haskell. You can, I mean, look at the rig on him. He's got there's a lot of testosterone in there yeah. right, oh, yeah. to get that big. So he is a mega. And there are always people that when they see someone bigger and stronger than them, they say he's on the juice. I tell you now, Haskell is an unbelievable. A dietitian, trainer, yeah. professional. There's nothing illegal about that. He's just a beast. And he was buying. Like, he had a guy buying him uh, whole chickens from Sainsbury's. Yeah, that's him. Like Eighteen. But he, but he also does loads of MMA stuff. Like he, yeah. Haskell, Haskell could properly go. Like he could tear people apart. But he doesn't. So it's, you know, I think Joe is a Joe is a properly hard bloke. I love watching Joe. But I've, I think. You know, you're probably quite lucky. Has to put a little combo in there. Cause it could have been, it could have been ugly. But, <laughs> little armbar. Yeah, so, I would like to, assume it, but I'm glad they're friends again. So yeah. you, you actually corrected me the, the other night. I said Marlow is one of the biggest blokes that blokes that seen. He's not actually that big. No, he's, he's he, of course he's big and he's hench, but um, he's in he's an amazing shape. He's an amazing athlete actually, Joe. So he's very very flexible, very fit, durable. But he's I guess I, I guess something like a hundred and. 15 kilos 118 yeah. kilos something like that yeah. and while that is of course a big man and there's no there's no very little fat on him so it's, he's a good nick I mean I'm, I'm a fat bastard now but you look at me I'm 135 so I'm 20 kilos heavier I mean, I'm in shit nick so it's different <laughs> but you know he's, he's not a giant loose head but he's comfortably big he's a big he's comfortably big enough Kyle Sinclair's not a giant of a man yeah, well, these are all these are all big men, so it's relative. But you look at Kyle next to Census Johnston, yeah, and there's a there's a vast difference. It doesn't mean one's better than the other; it just means one's bigger than the other. So, so Census to me is a giant, and you know you sort of come backwards from there. Someone like uh, Genge as well, yeah, he's not. He doesn't seem that big. No, he's, 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 he's not a muscle bound. He's not a muscle bound bookend, is he? Well, no, when he's athletic. Um, yeah, he's, he is athletic. I mean, you could just see the different like, against who? Uh, a Barno. Yeah. Just completely different shapes. So Barno's probably a bit heavier and four or five inches shorter, and you know, stack, so stacked up. So, yeah. but equally, you got to run a lot now. So yeah. a Barno would have the edge in power, I would say, no doubt. You know, in close quarters, because look at the look at the state and the size of him. But you need to run around for an hour and a bit. You know, Genge and Marla are probably, you know, more more suited to that. 
just on on, on Bath. Where do you think that they are this season? Because I, I thought they were amazing, and now I don't. And now I don't. Really interesting. I start of last season. I said uh, I said something on the telly which got me a lot of grief actually. You're, basically, I'm going off a tangent now. I've had a coffee, so it's your fault. Um, you got it for me. So when you commentate and you've played for a club, so I, people forget I played over 100 games for Saracens. You know, I played for Bath. So if I commentate on a Bath game and I say Bath are amazing, I'm biased and I'm yeah. flat. And if I say Bath are shocking, I'm overcompensating. Yeah, you know, that's the way it works, and I'm alright with that. It's quite the fun. Most people get it and they're not don't give a monkeys. Um, they just agree or they don't, but. I commentated on Bath last season and I think they'd gone they'd won five from six or six from seven something like that at the start of the season and I remember saying they'd lost to Leicester away and that was the only game they'd lost and the first six weeks and I remember saying I just think people should hold their horses a bit because I don't actually think Bath are playing very well mm. I don't think they've shown anything yet against a great side that suggests they're going to repeatedly cut apart big sides and dominate big sides and it and this season, I, I, I think I was, I'm holding. I'm still holding my breath, really. We don't, we don't really know yet, do we? But that game against Saracens, I thought that that was something really quite special. Now, when I when I see a performance like that from any team, not Bar, because I used to play from any team, um, and you almost call it, because uh, you know, if Saris win that game, that's just another win. Yeah, yeah. But for Bath, that's a massive occasion, right? So you, yeah. they will have expended more emotion than Saracens and energy than Saracens might in winning that game because Saris are so used to it. Yeah. So it might be a bigger peak for them. And I wonder, I often wonder, can they sustain something like that, or is it going to lead to a trough? Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it instantly led to a battering at Northampton. Yeah. You can't peak every week. So it ha- has to be emotional. It has to be. Yeah. Do, do you worry about? the quality of the individuals in the side because you look at the bath side I don't know say three or four years ago when you've got um, you know Eastland and obviously you had Ford you had people uh, this is like peak, peak Burgess time uh, yeah you know, that, that was, that was Burgess never played he's the best player but he never yeah, played yeah, <laughs> yeah. Un- unbelievable weird isn't it uh, you look at them now they're not as good as he in terms of individuals certainly, certainly. Um, yeah, well, do, you, do you think the same when you look? I'm, at them? No, I'm not. I'm not so sure. I agree with that. So t- you're taking Fordy out of there, yep. but you now got kind of two. You've got one A and one B for, for different styles with Priestland and Burns. But you've got like Rocco. You've got Watson. You've got JJ. You've got Falatau in there. Yeah, that's true. Um, you've got some Underhill, Francois Lowe, un- yeah. Matt Garvey. Yeah. You know, really you've got boys. Henry Thomas when he's fit. Nathan Cat are really, really great players. Yeah, Charter, you know, got Charter is in there as well. Khan Photo Elite. No, yeah. he's he Watson. Class. Yeah. You've got some quite good players in there. Yeah, yeah. I think quietly Photo Elite. Photo Elite. Can't say his name now. Might be their most important player. He just holds. He holds the whole the whole thing together. Although I thought Chris Cook looked great um, in round one. But I mean, yes, I, I think Photo Elite is a massively important player in terms of Bath overall. Where where I think. You can't. Sometimes you train too hard and you, people get injured. Mm. Sometimes you do what you've always done, and in bad luck, people get injured. Mm. So I think they've had a bit of bad luck. So from what I'm, what I understand from the Bath boys, they don't get frogged and beasted. They train very hard, but mm. they don't do anything mindless. There's all thinking behind it. Yeah. Like, I think they've had some bad luck with injuries, particularly in the front row. Yeah, and, and I think, and I think that, you know, there's there seems to be. Um, I don't know. This is kind of all. This is assumption really there seems to be a reluctance to spend money in some of the less glamorous positions there okay. and I think in some positions they don't. when everyone's fit they don't need to so you don't need to replace Nathan Cat. but he does get injured every now and again for me he's your front line loose head he's- everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems 
But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Brilliant player. But your second choice, I think Ben Abano, he's, he's actually doing really putting a really really good shift in. He's playing really well. But playing five or six good games and playing 150, 160 good games is very, very different. Yeah. So I, I feel like they, had they spent, being crude about it, had they spent a load of money in the front five, because with that would injured, suddenly you lose a lot of weight from that front row. And Underhill is the first, seems like the first proper dominant hitter they've got. Um, since Atwood got injured which would be handy for them because Atwood was really the only guy who was burying people backwards yeah. regularly so I think you you know your front five is so important in this league and that hasn't changed with the little scrum tweaks and I feel like Bath aren't lightweight I think they've got a very good front five but when one or two guys get injured there is, there is a, there's a bit of a gulf in experience and quality between the first and second choice yeah. so I would be inclined as you'd imagine spend more money there you know before I start signing yeah. centres and talk you read on the internet they're talking to Ben Teo for £50 million a year whatever it is <laughs> I'd be more inclined to buy a couple of bookends personally. yeah absolutely right absolutely I, I like when they had the balance between Weber and Batty I, I, I thought that was yeah. like their best their best looking part Tom, Tom Dunn is when he, I mean, you know, difficult when you say get your throwing right. It's not his throwing. It's, it's sometimes his throwing, sometimes a line out. But he is a, I, you know, I would, I would just a friendly piece of advice would be to keep your eyes on him because I think he's potentially a really special player. But they also signed Jack Walker as well from Leeds. Yeah, he was injured all last year. Yeah, so he's he's properly good. Yeah, because you know he I, was I, captain of England under twenties for a couple of years, wasn't he? Yeah, he's properly good. Yeah, but, I, but then I think, you know. It's and one of these guys might come to the fore and dominate and become an international class hooker, and that's great. But I just think, and this is really, this is like proper armchair, couple of pints, know it all type stuff. <laughs> if you've got as much money to spend as Bath clearly have on players, then in, anyone is open to you. So Census Johnston is open to you. Yeah. You know, uh, Bismarck's open to you. Yeah. Matuarira is open to you. Yeah. These guys are available. Nicola Mass, you could get on a couple of years. You know, whatever it is, maybe not. You know, these guys are these guys are available because you have the money to spend them. If you are, if you are, I don't know, London Irish or Worcester, these guys might not be available. Yeah. So if you've got the option, I always feel like. I think Richard Cockerell was saying to me years ago do what you want you might you might win a few big games you might win a title without a front five but you won't win many yeah. I think if you want to do a, make, create a proper legacy you need you know you need a, a dominant front five repeatedly dominant front five because then everybody looks better it's yeah. easier for everyone yeah it makes it easier for your talented backs to do what they want to yeah, do and, you got, and suddenly you've got Faletau, Underhill, Garvey and Lowe on the front foot, foot, foot. you've got Freddie Burns and JJ on the front foot and Banners yeah. on the front foot you know, Khan's, Khan is constantly picking up ball moving forward. Yeah. Who, do you, who do you think has the best collection of 
front of front rows. Oh. So just just as just as a unit. So like, I'd put Exeter fairly high up there. Yeah, I would. Many names. Uh, yeah, but they got you know. As a unit, they're brilliant. Yendo, I think, is a really good player. Cowan Dickey, I think, is very special. Why have we not seen more of him? Injured, he gets injured a lot. Yeah. I think Ben Moon is massively underrated. He's a really good player. So um, he, he toured with the Saxons last summer. Did he? I think. And he just looked brilliant. Like work rate and he, can do it. he does everything. He can do everything. Yeah. He's really good. Um, so yeah, they, they've got you know Francis and Greg Holmes and Murray Lowe and they, Rimmer. Rimmer's a good, really good player as well. They're, they're very good. Who's got the best? Oh, God, that's a great question, that. So uh, best starting props? Well, Saracens have got... On the tight end, they've got Cock and Figaggio. They've got Tolafua, Jamie George, Skulpritz. Skulpritz, yeah. On the loose end, they've got Baz Barrington, who's a brilliant scrummager and he's in good form. And Mako, Mako. who might be the best loose head in the world. Yeah. I reckon Saris might be in the top one. Yes. <laughs> when you go through it like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're a different and level. The guy that you're not mentioned who is a lovely bloke. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, just going to give him a quick shout out. Is Kieran, Kieran Longbottom? Yeah, I don't know Kieran actually. Really, really good bloke. Is he? Yeah. And yeah. uh, weirdly, I, I never actually met him when he came on sale. So I'm definitely yeah. that they let him go. Really. He had, did he have a lot of injuries, or did he just not he did. get picked? He did. I think he, he had an Achilles. Injury. Yeah, was it Achilles or something like that? Yeah, but they've let. Uh, you know, apparently, he wasn't big enough to do what they what they needed at uh, sale. Yeah, but hang on, hang on. You know, it's one of those, isn't it? Because Kobalas isn't that big. Everyone thinks he is because he's great. Oh, so but he's not that right? big. You know, yeah, but he's yeah. great. But the new guy, uh, what's his name? Tarus? Yes, Tarus. Yeah. He's not a huge bloke. I mean, he's quite big, but you know. He's a huge bloke. Wilgriff John. Is this guy? So they signed him from no. Don- Doncaster. Yeah. Tighted prop. He just won, won his round like some Colossus. He's enormous. Is he any good? I've not seen him play yet. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> not seen him play yet. There's a lot of big lads about. Walk, walk out, take, take a walk down the road in Philly here. Yeah. You'll see a lot of big dudes walking around, but you wouldn't fancy him for 80 minutes in the no. Prem, I don't think. And Sale have got a real bad track record of massive props I not being very good. Yeah. Tony Buckley, uh, Aves. Yeah. Uh, what? Aves is, Aves is brilliant. Well, you were Aves called... went to Salon. You... Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful player. Uh, yeah, there's something quite interesting about like bigger blokes. I went over to watch the A League game, Sail Jets versus um, versus Wasps. You love Sail, don't you? No, just, just <laughs> Hang on, you went, you went to the A you went to the A League game yeah. in your own time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well Sail had like big. Um, they're under twelves are playing Tuesday night. Apparently, can get back inside. I'm there, mate. I'm there. <laughs> uh, the like, Wasps literally picked kids. Okay, just. 17 year old heroes absolutely everywhere yeah. from all sorts of, all sorts of directions uh, Sale had people like Hamani, Lika George, uh, George, George Knox started Dave Seymour Josh Charnley Brutal Weber, Did Weber start? Uh, Web, uh, uh, Weber started Wasps battered them <laughs> absolutely battered them Did they? Uh, yeah and the speed of the game so like the the older senior guys would be better taking it into contact the Wasps just ran them off the field um, This is a, a tangent but my my first I think my first or second ever game of men's rugby was for Saracen's second team when I was 18 and I, we had a load of kids playing it was me well, Greg Botman was our hooker who was like 53 by then but the rest of us were kids and they put him in to look after me basically and the Bath second team well the second team pack I'm not going to bore you to I might not remember some but was Dave Hilton yep. uh, Dave Hilton Mark Regan yeah. John Mallett Steve Borthwick, <laughs> Martin Hogg, Richard Webster. Uh, oh, I forget um, the others. I can't quite aren't quite coming to me. 
I can't quite remember. It might have been Ben Clark. It was seven, I know it was seven internationals and Borthers, but they wow. weren't. They, but they were established internationals. Nick except, Mallet. For, except for Shep Mallet, who had a uh, John Mallet. So, Shep, for, Nick Mallet. Sorry, his, John Mallet. Nick Mallet's the coach. Ah, right. Um, anyway, it was this mega mat, and we we actually did a really good job on them. And I I, I remember the main reason being because we were fueled by fear. Yeah. Uh, but we were desperate for the shot at them, and they didn't want to be there. They wanted yeah. to play first yeah. team. So I remember I was like I played against these internationals and I was like this was on a Monday night I remember Sir Francois Pienaar was our coach and he said how was it off I played the 80 minutes and came off how was it and I said I wasn't being chopsy I said mate that was, that was easy that was an easy <laughs> game of rugby it felt amazing and he's like right well rest up because you're starting on Saturday we're going awesome. to give you a, we're going to give you a debut on Saturday awesome. I hit, hit my first come at first team level I was like <laughs> holy <laughs> shit that's different they're trying now did you ever play with Tom French or meet Tom no, French no I played against I played against Frenchie I just love that story that it's great eh? yeah. was in training one day like yeah you're going to start what the Cup final yep you're in yeah in one hit gone yeah. against the best title in the world yeah. and he did an amazing job he did yeah. I, mean, I mean that must just be a whole game you seen like, have you seen him now adrenaline. No. he's like nine stone lighter he, he's He's looked, he's completely different. Wow. He's a completely normal sized human being. Yeah, I looked him up on Wikipedia and it's like it's like his Wikipedia entry is like two like two like two lines. Tom French wants to play rugby. The end. Yeah, he's he's like a he works in a bank now or something like that works for a bank or broker or something like that. But uh, I went to a wasp thing recently. I went to their sesquicentennial dinner. Correct lads. Sesquicentenary. Oh, nice. Like 150 years. Uh, anyway, and, uh, uh, trying to work out what I was hosting a dinner, so I had to learn that word. And I still <laughs> fucked it up. Yeah. Um, How many things are you hosting a week? Because it seems like you just never stop. Um, I do... Some weeks I do one. Some weeks I do three. What have you done four. over here? Have you done any hosting? No, no. Pure uh, Channel 5 and BT Sport. So I did both on the, both on the Saturday. And that that's... Um, <laughs> everyone always laughs and says, oh, double bubble. But the truth is... It's actually it's really good fun because you're, you're having fun the whole time, but you're doing a link, um, so you're doing your little chat to the camera, and it's live, or whatever. And as soon as you finish, you have a different production, a different producer coming on and say, "Unplug now! You've got to get upstairs now! 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 Go!" And I get up to comms, and they're like, "Right, my phone rings. I'm sitting in comms. Twelve minutes till kick off. I'm doing my, I've done my prep, but I'm rereading the teams. I've got my little, I've got my eyes out and borrowing Nick Mullins binoculars to yeah. check out a couple of players and." I want to see this Trevor Davison warming up this prop for Newcastle. So I'm doing that, and I get a phone call. It's like we need you now, back down pitch side. Like, right, I've now got eight minutes till kick off. We need you now for a yeah. pre-match link. I was like, right, shit. So I'm running, running down the stairs at the stadium, from 93 degrees or something, sweating yeah. my tits off. I do this link. We have one shot at it. Go, run back up, get stopped by security. Left my pass oh. by the camera. I to take my pass off for the camera. I run back up. Game starts. Then at half time, as soon as you finish, it's like right. A little break at half time. Tap on the shoulder. We need you out here now. And they've set up a whole other shot. So I'm legging it down the end of the corridor to look, do the thing, the view over the river. Do the link. Run back in. Finish the game. So right, run downstairs. Do the post match link for Channel Five while the players are still on the field. So it looks kind of natural and whatever it is, and looks recent. And as soon as we finish, BT are like, right, we need you over here now in the back room for a press conference. I was like, right. <laughs> and it, you get to the end and you're like, you, I'm not complaining about it, but it was like. It was money. In a taxi on the way back, I was a broken man, and yeah. then went out and got pissed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some well-earned beers. Yeah. I mean, we, crack, we, actually. we were working almost as hard yeah, as we you were really up, up in VIP. Yeah, yeah it looked so, nice up there. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Real tough, real tough. Well looked after. Did you get free booze up there? Yeah, we did. Oh, well done. You've had a great weekend then. But I, I didn't come out last night, did I? I flaked a little bit, so I'm Ooh. sorry about that. But I, 
I'm older. Oh, I'm older than you boys, you I've know. I've got to say, last night or yesterday, whole day was one of the best days out I've had in a long. How was it? Oh, Great fun. It's brilliant. It's really good fun. It's good. It's you, went to, you went to the Reading Food Market. Reading Food Market was brilliant. So yeah. We watched the, had some food, had a few beers. Dug in. Watched the first half of the Eagles game, and then we watched the second half in. Um, it's the oldest pub, uh, pub in yeah, Philadelphia. Oh, not Fieldhouse, not Fieldhouse across the road from... No, no, no but yeah. it was it was just rammed, everyone wearing an Eagles shirt, and yeah, the, we, the atmosphere we, yeah. was incredible. Bird game tomorrow, bird game, bird game. Bird game. Yeah. We, we for what, an hour and a half, absolutely hated Kansas, absolutely hated Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. we wanted yeah. dead. The Chiefs, yeah. bastards. Screw the Chiefs, yeah. Bastards, they're all Chiefs, cheats anyway. They, yeah. yeah, they were definitely cheated Chiefs yesterday. Suck. <laughs> yeah, so I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it's a, I, it's a good I, time. I sincerely hope that this, that this event takes off because I want to come back to America at least every other year. Yeah, we, we've had a chat next year and we want it in LA ideally next year. Ooh. LA. You, just text, you can just text Danny Cipriani and find out the 10 best places to go, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> ideally, what's will play out and we can just hang off. We can hang out with Lindsay Lohan and I don't know who are other cool people. I don't can know. You, I, I, LA? I can't imagine that being like a rugby town. I mean, I, I, played, I played rugby for England in LA. Did you really? Did you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, on tour, we played. Uh, it wasn't a cat. It wasn't a test. Oh, was it was this, a um, midweek game, so an A game, I guess. On England tour in 01, we played at UCLA against how? the Eagles was, team, was, oh, and I, I, I uh, think I scored a try from about 40 meters. Well, I don't want to go on about it. <laughs> what was the um, what was the Churchill Cup? No, it wasn't no, that. It was, that. It was a, a cap no, tour. It was an England tour. Oh, 01, it? when the Lions were away, we were away with England in US, uh, US, Canada, so and Japan. What tour? Nice. Yeah, yeah last nice. night out in Tokyo. Yeah, so Ooh. 01, right, was the Australia tour, was it not? 01 was Australia, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So that is the one, isn't it, where Paul Grayson came in as a kicking consultant and he might have even played. And if I'm right, Ollie Barkley had his first game for England before he played for Bath. Yeah, that was that tour. That yeah. was against US. I, remember, nine, actually. I played tight head in that game, which I didn't like, but got away with it because it was the US. Yeah. Oh, and on that trip, we played against Canada, and it was Roundtree starting a loose head, and Julian White at tight. And I came on to replace Julian at tight, and Roundtree was laughing as I came on, and he was like, Good luck, mate, because we both hated tight head. Good luck. <laughs> Don't let the team down, mate. And he kept patting his chest saying, Queen and country. Because <laughs> I was against a guy called Rod Snow. And yeah. Rod Snow was quality, yeah. like, and he was known around like around the circuit being a properly good loose head. Like, you know, he played for Newport, and he he could have played, he could have gone to any Prem club and yeah. started. Mm. He was really, he was proper top notch loose head. And we had one scrum where he basically slipped, and I slipped, and the ref let it play on. And then right at the end, we, we had this move, and we're on the left hand side, and it was like right, I need a big right shoulder, and whoever it was at ten, I can't remember comes in or Josh Lucy ran and he goes right with a big right shoulder big right shoulder flats I was like yeah yeah no problem and Randwig was laughing again he's like yeah you get right shoulder flats don't look in. and he would if a loose head moves forward a couple of steps it makes it really hard for the tight head to get a right shoulder up to set you know to give, yeah. your, to give you that, you know, that advantage so their seven can't get away and their nine can't get away so Roundtree was like I'll just set a couple of steps eh? a couple of steps you'll get it forward won't you yeah. we hit the scrum and he was like and Roundtree was like I'll go one step flat he was taking the piss the whole time and I somehow I was so scared that I buried Rod Snow in this scrum I absolutely awesome. pumped him went with his massive right shoulder and we scored in the corner and it was like and everyone was like oh, flats 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 and I knew and I was not celebrating at all and all I was doing was looking at the clock and as soon as Roundtree as we scored the try Roundtree runs straight back over to me and he's looking pointing at the clock and he said time for one more because I'm thinking please blow the final whistle because Rod is going to snap me in half in a minute and the whistle went I was like yes yeah. I'll never never ever play against oh, him again thank god it, yeah. it wasn't the same tour was it 
where Dan Barr absolutely Yep, that game, the, same game. That was Julian a, White. That was a, yeah, that was a tremendous game. Same game. Never, ever, ever punched Dan Barr. Oh my word! <laughs> you, like you would, you would class Julian White as a relatively hard individual. I'd say very, very, very hard. Very. And then yeah. there's Dan Barr, different universe, different gravy. And then you, then, <laughs> then you compare someone like Dan to an actual fighter. A trained fighter, and you realise that rugby players are not tough, not good, at, yeah. not talented at all. Well, is Dan Barr still at Wasps? Yeah, yeah. Is he still all lift, of him? Is he still lifting more? <laughs> yeah, more he's, than the he's a joke. I mean, the rig on him is a joke. He's a and he's a really, really good human being as well. Just very, very aggressive guy when That's he when he was playing. Not anymore. That might be that might be a rugby dungeon. Right? I played against Cardiff when he played. We played two games against Cardiff. We were at Sarries and we were flying. We played two games against Cardiff, who were rubbish, and they beat us home and away in two weeks. They were just at it, and I remember the two reasons they won were Dan Barr and Jonathan Humphreys, the hooker. They were just—they were absolute. You know, when you're like, we're flat-out pros. We got a team full of top players and a couple of youngsters like me. We had Grucock, Scott Murray, PNR, Hill, Bracken, oh. Alan Peno. We had, you know, Tim Horan. We had an amazing casting. had an amazing team. And you're like, these boys have dominated people at the top level for years. Yeah. <clears throat> Not me, the other lads. And you play against guys like that, and you think, on that day. There is, no, there is no one the All Blacks wouldn't have beaten Cardiff is what it felt like because it was and it was Dan Barr and John Humphreys they were just fucking animals Amazing. Dan Barr used to hit like, a, like an exocet just sure. animals remember Humps just like screaming he's screaming in rucks trying to just trying to kill people like he was mm. just on it you know he's, he's doing some really good work in Melbourne up in uh, up in, Scotland uh, in Glasgow yeah yeah yeah, he's great. He's he's hell of a guy. He's my rugby hero. So we won't go too far on him. It'll get a bit sycophantic. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something else. Um, shall we talk about next week's games? Because we've get, so far got um, David Flatman, who works for B for BT and for Channel Five, dragging over. We've spoken about a sale A League game. So, <laughs> yeah. That is that's a good use of resources. Yeah. Shall we talk about next week's games and see who who we fancy to go where and do what? Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, Chiefs against Wasps down at Sandy Park I think that'll be yeah re- that'll be re- a good crack revenge mission for Wasps yeah an interesting one isn't it and, and they got they're buoyed by the final result last season and they're buoyed by getting beaten at home at the weekend I oh, know nice. that's an interesting one that but I do you think Wasps might be a little bit soft no I don't actually but what I do think um, soft is no so, soft is yes and no actually yeah. so no, no is the my initial answer because do I think they've got lads who won't stand and fight and I don't actually but what I do think they're lacking is a dominant defensive line so I think they concede well I know they concede a huge number of metres per game mm. um, without missing that many tackles so going into last weekend their tackle success rate was just below 90% which is great mm. I mean it's where you want it you want it 90% you want to be missing you know you want to be 90 plus really but they're 90% which is you can win the title on that yeah. so they're not missing tackles they're just they're just soaking up yards yeah. and get, they're giving away they can see a lot of offloads a lot of metres on the game lines they don't have a particularly dominant aggressive line which is why Haas coming back in will help them and more games Nathan Hughes and Launchbury play the better for them and, yeah. and when they get Thomas Young back that will help yeah. but I don't think they're soft I just think they're they're brutal to play against when they've got the ball course I think they're too easy to play against and make yards against when they haven't got the ball yeah and if they I think they probably they will address that because I mean Di Young keeps saying they're gonna they're looking at that but I think they they're too easy to make meters against so yeah. s- someone who had a field field day against them the other week in the Worcester game Ben Teal yeah was, was running, was running yeah. over people yeah now, yeah he was so I would just wonder if they lack the ability to grind out results against big against bigger teams I think Exeter will be 
you know, the, the, the worst possible team for them. Yeah, do you know, I, I don't think you get to the final if you can't dig in. Mm. I don't I, think you get to, there. I think they almost suffer from having too much, too much talent. So, because they're so talented, they don't necessarily need to work as hard as, say, you know, Saracens do on their structure. And their I don't know. Sort of you, you might be right, and there, there will be a, web, a website somewhere that tells us if we're right or wrong here, but... Yeah. I, I feel like they've got a lot of players who do a lot of work in that team. So you look at the work rate of Tommy Taylor, Matt Mullin, yeah. Launchbury, yeah. Ian and Mile, Haskell, Young. Nathan Hughes does a load of work yeah, now. Yeah. He looks fantastic at the end of last season and this season, start of this season. He does a load of work. You know, yeah. Robson is everywhere. Gopeth is everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, you see Elliot Daly, especially when he's playing in the midfield, he's everywhere. And So I, I don't necessarily buy into that. I think they just... They've got, whether it's conscious or not, they have got in their recruitment and their selection, they have uh, an attacking bias, which is absolutely fine. Mm. It doesn't mean they can't defend, it means they're not as good as, you know, so they pick Gopeth, Sarri's pick Barrett. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's all you need to know. Yeah, those two players at 12 are night and day. Yeah, and it's funny, if, if I'm watching a game, to be honest with you, I'd rather watch Jimmy Gopeth. Yeah. If I'm picking a team. I'd have Brad Barrett over. I'd have him over Marnonu. I mean, seriously, you know, seriously, he is just, he just, he's everything to that team, and he's the one player. You know, Marrow's pretty. There's a lot of special players in that team, and you think how good is Owen Farrell? I mean, he's just, he's, he's a world fifteen player. Yeah. But how do you replace Brad Barrett? Because I honestly so, don't know how you replace that. But he's so fundamental to the way that Saracens yeah. play. And he's he, bright. He's them. a bright defender. You yeah. Know, he's, he doesn't just whack people. He's bright, and he. Actually, he very rarely gets when it cuts a good line and gets you know run, hits anyone head on. He's he's a really big, really strong bloke, and he runs hard at forearms. You know, he's, yeah. he's a bright player and knows what he's good at and does it repeatedly. You know. Just before we go on to the, the games, back onto Saracens, how do you think they are going to sort out this this salary cap issue, which which are, which are going to have? I you know, I you know, and this is this is the, um, one of those things you should never say as a, someone who's in the media. But are we still talking about salary caps? Because it seems like not. I'm not, not berating you for asking the question. It's just like, is it? No one's going to be punished for. No one's been punished for it. No one's going to get punished for it. So is there almost a license to hose all over it now, or, or, or are we just pretending that everyone's playing it legal? Because so, come on, so look at the squads out there. I, so I, mean, I, I want to give them benefit of the doubt and say people are keeping to the salary cap so do I and, and then, not, there, but there are a lot of top players taking really small reduced salaries to come and play here now are, is our league that appealing that they're willing to take a shitload more money they can get elsewhere I think that's I think that's a bit ambitious well I do not I'm not I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if I agree with you because the only other place you can go really is France not if, not if you're not if you're southern hemisphere but you know Japan yeah Japan would be an option Japan's bigger money than France bigger but, money but you might end up assembling photocopiers on, on Tuesdays <laughs> not anymore you don't not no. anymore you don't you end, you end up playing 12 games a year on shit loads of money yeah. and when you come back to Aussie Springbok Kiwi duty you're fresh because you've been you've been listening you've been Skyping the fitness coach running on a All Blacks fitness protocol and yeah. you are Jerome Kano and you step back in and dominate because you've only played 12 games in the last 8 months yeah and you're fresh as a and, daisy and you've you know, you haven't got a mortgage anymore because you're Jerome Kano, but you've, you've paid off, you've paid everything off, you've got a shitload of money. So, yeah. the Premiership is a brutal league, and it's, the, it's, it's probably the hardest league in the world to play 100%. in. So, it's the hardest. I think physically, the French league is more brutal. So, maybe, but I think in terms of the standards you have to deliver, plus physicality, 
the physical demands, I think the Premiership is harder. Purely physically, I think the French is harder, but actually, you are just permitted to be shit quite a lot in France. Yeah. You, well, you, away, you, away games. Away games, yeah, yeah. 50% of the games. Yeah, and I, I love the French league, to try. but almost all of it is turgid. It's yeah. awful to watch. Loads yeah. of it, loads of it's great. Loads of it I don't understand who goes to watch it, but people do go and watch it. They love it, and they love, they love their... You know, don't know if the Eagles are that good, are they? But people love their team, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and I I like that. You know, I'm from Kent. You go and watch Gillingham, and loads of people are going there. And all my mates used to go and watch Leighton Orient. So what are you doing, lads? <laughs> you know, but they love it. So, so, so how are the Saracens going to get over this salary cap issue? Well, maybe they're look. I I hope that they are completely legal and they've just got some amazing players who say, look, I'm willing to earn half what I could earn to play for Saracens because the environment's great. In terms of getting over it, uh, there's. I don't know. I, I just I don't know anything about it, and I'm not being coy. I don't know anything about it, um, so it's an unqualified view. But they're, you know, if you you're running a rugby club, there are a million ways to pay somebody. So if you if you know if I'm charging you a hundred grand to come on your podcast rather yep. than one cup of milky coffee, big cup that. If I'm charging you a hundred grand <laughs> and you've only got you've only got a fifty grand budget, but your mate from home that you went to school with is a millionaire or you can only pay me 50 grand legally but you've got the money to pay me you can give your mate 50 grand on the golf course in an envelope and he can pay me 50 grand tomorrow so this is this is not difficult you know I'm not saying that's what goes on but it's a piece of piss if you want to pay somebody loads more yeah. get your rich mate to pay him and you, you pay him back I mean you know is that, is that not how the world works we've been I, real here you know so I, I think a lot of that definitely used to go on I'm, I, I hope that I think it's, the, there's less of it going yeah, on yeah, now I hope what so what yeah. do is just literally only pay the players for rugby which sounds obvious right but then the players have got to sort out their own, their, their own commercial side because that way you could actually fit in with the salary gap just like they do in the so you don't pay image rights no yeah but that you, you, but you need every rugby professional rugby team in the world to buy into that because then if Saracens or Bath or Northampton or Leicester or Worcester stop paying image rights all the big players will leave because they'll be losing half their money they'll all go because if you can get 150 grand a year at Saris, but they're not doing image rights, or you can get 150 at Worcester plus 150 image rights, see you later. You're only, yeah. doing, you're only earning big for seven or eight but years. If you can get, I don't know, 300,000 from Saracens to play, uh, or whatever, whatever Mario Todger gets next, 60 million. Or, 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 <laughs> yeah, or a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Surely he's surely his better option is to manage his image rights himself. That's um, potentially where it could go. That, I, I, I don't know what you mean by managing his rights himself. As in, instead of the club pay you to use them, you, you, you use them. You've licensed them through your agent or your money manager or whoever it may be. But then you, so you're attracting sponsors to pay you for your image. Yeah. yeah. But they're doing that anyway. They're doing yeah. all of so, that. They've got absolutely free reign to do that on, and earn as much as they can on top of all the money they get yeah, from the club. From the club. So, so you, you just, you're doing exactly the same, but getting 100 grand less you know. so, so we've got NFL on in the background there and there are no kit sponsors the reason that there's no kit sponsors on the on the jersey is so the players can go out and, go out and get their own sponsors and it doesn't clash but with the sponsors but, but the players won't accept that they'll change they'll move they'll leave the, they'll leave the league because yeah. there isn't the num- there aren't the numbers watching there aren't the numbers watching yeah. rugby to generate the, num- the sponsorship deals that they need. Good for a handful of ads, actually. And so if, you, if, you, if you think, and we take, I've got no idea what Marrow earns, and I don't care. Whatever they pay him, he's worth it. Yeah. If he earns a load of money, and they say, right, we're going to pay you half of that, but you can go and sell yourself for a kit deal. By the way, he could sell himself for that kit deal anyway, anyway. on top of the club thing. Yeah. So there's no point. But actually, he's not. He's nowhere near. He's not going to go earn. He's not going to go and get that fifty percent of salary back from a kit deal because they just aren't the numbers. Mm. You know, there are, do you know what? There are there are top footballers not not getting massive kit deals. 
so they, you know you, you find out things along the way and whatever and I, I wouldn't ever not being coy but I wouldn't ever not being I'm not trying to be that annoying guy that says I know something you don't know but it, I'm not being protectionist but I haven't asked permission to talk about it so I won't I know a couple of kit brands who pay rugby players quite a lot of money and you know it is a lot of money and they say this is our this is our fourth biggest deal in the UK and who are your biggest deal well we've got two golfers a runner and him what about footballers and it's like oh we've got a couple of footballers but they're all on you know they're all on 30 grand a year or 35 grand a year plus kit and that's why it's a lot of money to a lot of people it's a mistake to think that Premier League footballers are all getting half a million quid to wear the same right boots because they ain't most of them are just getting kit (coughs) most of them don't get paid Mm. what would be your advice to lads transitioning out of the game then and looking to do to do other things whatever it be like I mean that's five podcasts in itself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's um, it's really, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's like breaking your ribs, right? You, everyone imagines it's sore, and when you say it's sore, they believe you. Yeah. But when you get it, when it happens to you, you realise how fucking sore it really <laughs> is. Yeah. And you don't know until you've been there, and that doesn't mean you're not allowed to empathise or there's no point in you guys having an opinion, whatever. It means that. I had one of the soft aside from someone who's got a zillionaire you know mum and dad or a family business you can step into and I had apart from those guys I had a really soft landing but I worked really really hard for my soft landing and I still found it really really hard were you doing anything media or outside gigs I did five years of TV before I retired I did it every single time I could yeah Yeah. and I, I some guys do it differently now I never ever did it so I'd look at our schedule. Playing was playing and training was always first, but I would look at a Sunday game, and I would think, Christ, I don't like Sunday game because I can't be TV on a Friday or a Saturday because it's before yeah, game, I and I wouldn't. I was yeah. unhappy, not happy to do that. So Friday night games, I was all over Saturday night. And I was like, get me work, get me work. Yeah. And my agent Michelle pushed me and still does push me so hard to work. I didn't want to do a TV. I had no interest in doing TV. She signed me up, signed me up for columns and. Well, sort of stuff. I tell you, I tell you how what it looks like to be that player who's preparing for the my life afterwards. Playing a game at the wreck, my parents have driven three hours to watch the game with my little brother in his wheelchair, and it's a big occasion and all that. And after the game, I know that I have 35 minutes to file a 600 word, 650 word art match report, or, you know, article about the game, not a match report. They've got you know players' eye view to the independent on Sunday. Mm. So I literally run to my parents, I give them a kiss, and I say, I've got to write a column. Got to work. And I, get, I run into the change room after the game, get the debrief from Steve Meehan, it was, get my laptop, it's already set up in the rest changing room. Going- and that is where that story is unfortunately going to have to come to an end because the batteries died on JB and Phil. Uh, so you'll have to hear the rest of that story the next time that I get substituted for Flats. Uh, thank you very much, David Flatman. Uh, nice one, JB and Phil. Thank you very much for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, subscribe because we'll have another podcast coming your way very, very soon. Let the boys play.